Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning. How's everybody doing? A couple of y'all doing good. One doing really good. How many of y'all watched the game yesterday? Raise your hand. See now, see this is the only way I can get you to shout in church. So I start talking about the football team, all right? Are y'all happy that Tech beat UT? If you could care less. Oh, we got some UT fans in here. So I feel like as a pastor, I have to um, confess something to you. Believe it or not, I grew up an hour north of Austin. And there might be a little bit of something in me that is a UT fan. But, hold on a second, I'm also a Texas Tech fan, and I can't stand Texas A&M. Someone say amen. So y'all still love me, right? You're not going to leave my church. But I just felt like it was the best time for me to confess this. Since Tech won yesterday, y'all could handle it a little bit better, all right? No, I love college football. I'm glad it's back. Uh, I was... uh, I also was kind of laughing during worship. I don't know if y'all can tell that um, somebody might be cooking back here because it kind of smells like bacon. And I didn't think worship could get better until I smelled bacon while I was worshiping. And I was like, that is a fragrance the Lord cannot deny. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm just a happy camper. I am ready to preach today. If you have your Bible, open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. If it is your first time here at Renew Life, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today. Hope that you get a lot out of today. I just encourage you to sit back and, and just receive uh, your welcome in this place. So hope you leave blessed today. First Peter chapter 2. We're going to read out of verses 4 and 5 and then verses 9 and 10. Let's jump into Scripture today, and then as we, after we read this, I'll, I'll kind of tell you where we're headed and, and the subject we're going to preach around today. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this, As you come to him, the living stone. Let's just stop right there. If you notice the word stone right there is capitalized because in this portion of scripture, the author Peter, the apostle Peter, he's actually referring to Jesus. And he says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Really interesting language here by Peter. He begins to call us living stones. He begins to point out the fact that we are these living stones, and there's a reason we are. He, he's tying this in. We're actually being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You skip down to verse 9. <clears throat> And he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to the church here, to the elect of God. You're the chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Somebody say amen right there. (laughs) This This is who God made us to be, who he calls us to be. He says we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy holy nation. We're God's special possession. Would you look at your neighbor and say you're special? If you did it with sarcasm, I'm proud of you. 
We're God's special possession. We've been brought out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then I love this next part. In verse 10, he says, once you are not a people, but now you are. Before you knew Jesus, you weren't a people. But now that you know Jesus, now that you're a part of the kingdom, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received his mercy. Today, I want to talk to you about a phrase we use here quite often, and I want to talk to you about spiritual family. Spiritual family. I want to talk to you about being a part of the body of Christ. What it looks like to live and to function as a people. Not just as a person, not just as an individual, but as a people. Not just any kind of people, but a chosen people. A royal, God, God calls you, not just pastors, not just those called to ministry. He calls the body of Christ. You know what he calls us? A royal priesthood. We're his people. We are his race. So what does it actually mean to function as his chosen people? What does it look like for us? What responsibilities what might, might we carry and function in when it comes to the body of Christ? Because I want to let you in today that, that God has actually made you and placed you in family, and he wants to teach you how to actually live in spiritual family. So I want to talk around that today. Would you just pray with me for just a moment? God, we, we welcome you here. We thank you that we're a part of the family. We receive today our identity. We receive today the fact that we are a chosen people, that we're royalty, that we're your prized special possession no matter what we feel, no matter what we may even think of ourselves today, we believe we are who you say that we are. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you lead us today, that you guide us today, and teach us how to do family well. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you're married and have kids, would you raise your hand? You might have married and have kids. Okay, the majority of you in here today. Um, I, I want to ask you this this morning. Do you remember what life used to be like without kids? Do you remember when you used to have fun? Do you remember what life was like without kids? How you could go places and stay for longer than 40 minutes without something going absolutely chaotic and breaking down? Do you, here's, here's one. Do you remember what it felt like to sleep in? Oh, Jesus, bring those days back. If you want those days back, just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you, all right? Just lay hands. Now, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm kind of being funny. Kids are, kids are amazing. They bring a joy to our life uh, that, that no one else can bring, nothing like it. But we all have to admit that life was different without kids. The responsibilities that we have, we had, they were, they were just different. We have, when, we, when we have a family, we have kids, we have to think about more than just ourselves. I'll take you back even further into an earlier stage of life. Do you remember what it used to be like to be single? That's a joke, right? <laughs> it's like when that, there was even less responsibility. There was even less that you had to worry about. 
You, it did, no one was around making you pick up your clothes, telling you what you could eat, that you should eat healthier. Nobody was watching you. Nobody was, was keeping you accountable. You could just kind of do whatever you wanted. And I, I use that example today because I want to point out that life in family looks different, doesn't it? Life in family is different than life outside of family. What I want you to, to grab a hold of today is that when you were saved and you gave your life to Jesus, it was like you went from being single to being married. When you gave your life to Jesus, whether you knew it or not, you know what happened? You joined a family. You got, scripture says that you got grafted in, you got adopted into a family. In fact, to be more specific, you joined a spiritual family the moment that you gave your life to Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, you didn't know that that was happening. You didn't know what you were signing up for. But guess what? It's too late now. You're in. We got you. But when you gave your life to Jesus, you joined the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, there is something known as the church. It's something known as spiritual family. All of us in here today, we are part of what is known as the big C church, the global church. We have a family known as a royal priesthood. Known as a chosen people. Known as God's own race and God's own special possession. And I need you to understand today that when we don't live our life like we are a part of a family, we actually live outside of the will that God has for our life. Hear me today. You don't just live and function as an individual in the kingdom. You live and function as a congregation as well. You actually live and you are called to function in a family. Oh, and just like in a natural family, <clears throat> the deeper or the higher level you go in that natural family, the more responsibility comes to your life, right? I remember yesterday, we had, I had to take my truck to the shop, so we only had one vehicle, so I had to study and write my message at home. And um, that was with all the kids running around, and, you know, trying to enter in and get revelation can be difficult when kids are around. But I got it done. Uh, but we, I was in my room, and, and I had the windows open to my backyard. And, and as I was studying, my wife, she, she got all the kids to work, right? We have an 11-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And all of them, they, they started doing their chores. And so I see, I see uh, um, my, my older son, he's going outside. And don't judge me for what I'm about to say, but he was taking care of our cat, which means I have a cat. No offense if you have a cat. I have a cat, but I'm not a cat person. You know what I'm saying? Just want to just lay that down, lay that groundwork so y'all know. And Jackson was out there, and he was taking care and doing, emptying the litter box, doing the food and the water. And while he's walking around, I see our little two-year-old little girl named Kate, and she's just trotting right along just watching him, like, like watching him do the chores. And then she'd go off, and she would play, and she would do whatever she wanted. And she was hanging out. She was having the time of her life. And then in walked my six-year-old, and he's cleaning the bathrooms. And come on, some of y'all need to get, make your kids do more chores. Amen? That's kind of why you had them. Not all the way why, but kind of why you had them. And 
they're all doing these chores. And I just started to kind of giggle to myself because I began to watch Kate, who's two. And she's oblivious to the fact that everyone else in the house is working. Because she's just doing what she always does. She's playing. She's hanging out in her own world, laughing, watching them do the chores. But she absolutely has no idea what's going on. And I started to laugh to myself because on the inside I go, oh, she has no idea what's coming her way. Her day is coming. There will be a day when she has to pull her own weight when she has to carry some of the responsibilities of, of our family, that there's, there's going to be some things that she's got to check off on the checklist when it comes to all the chores. And I began to think, man, what a beautiful picture of what, the, of what spiritual family should look like. I want you to know today, when you were saved and you came into the kingdom and you came into spiritual family, you were a child. So was I. And guess what? That's absolutely 100% okay. You didn't know. You had no idea. Like me, you had no idea that this whole thing called church, that there were actually people who pulled this thing off. There were actually people who served and worked and made this thing happen and, and learned how to play instruments, all this stuff. You, you, you had no idea that was going on. You were just coming and just consuming and eating and consuming and getting loved on. And guess what? That's exactly what you should have done because that's who you were in the kingdom. But can I just say this? This is also true. We are not called to stay children in the kingdom. That eventually we grow up and there's a responsibility that we have to carry. That eventually we, there, there, there's a moment where we begin and we have to be, begin to pull our own weight in this family and carry some of the chores and carry some of the responsibilities. You see, just like that happens in natural family, I believe it happens in spiritual family too. We don't just stay children. We don't just stay single. We don't just stay young adults. There are levels in the kingdom. You know what? At, one, at some point, you don't get to be newly, newlyweds in the kingdom anymore. Eventually, you have kids and you become parents. And eventually, you become empty nesters in the kingdom. And eventually, you become grandparents in the kingdom. Why? Because this is the way that God created it to be. He created us to live and, and, and to function in family. And I'm, 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 today I'm, I'm wanting to change the way that you think and I'm wanting to change the way that you filter and how you make decisions. You see, when you realize the responsibility that you have in, in spiritual family, guess what? It's just the same as when you have a family. You don't always get to go eat where you want to eat. Can I preach for just a moment today? That sometimes you have to consider what everybody else wants to do. Sometimes you don't get to watch your Netflix show. You have to put on Cocoa Melon <laughs> and suffer for however long or just leave, just get out. At some point, you know what? You don't get to get the new pair of shoes, but your wife does or your kids do. This is, we, we understand this in natural family. And can I just say it's the same as, it, it, it's the same as true in spiritual family. 
What I need you to understand today is that your decisions don't just affect you. What you do doesn't just affect you when you realize that you're a part of a family. This is, is, this, is it convicting in here today? Because it sure is quiet. I'm, I'll go to some scripture. We'll just ease up for just a moment, all right? This is what I believe Peter was kind of, he was trying to teach us. He was talking family. He was saying, hey, y'all are all, we're, we're, we're all living stones. And notice, we're being built into a spiritual house. You, me, we are living stones and we're being built into a spiritual house. Guess what? You're just a stone by yourself. But when we come together, we become a home. We become a house. We become a representation of the temple of the living God. But it takes all of us connecting to one another. It takes all of us getting close to one another. You see, he was trying to say, hey, look, like, really, really good, like, that you love Jesus and you're pursuing him individually, but there's something bigger happening than just yourself. There's something more happening than just you and your relationship with God. Because you're a chosen people. You're a people. You're a royal priesthood. And I love what we pointed out in verse 10. He said, once you weren't a people, but now you are. As the Lord began to show me this and give me this revelation over, the, over this last week, I was like, all right, Lord, um, I, I need you. What, are you. what are you really saying? What do you want to say to the people? Well, why does this matter? And I felt like he, he responded, and this is what he said. He said, I don't need people making decisions just based on their individual lives. I don't need people that are in the house. I don't need believers just making decisions based on their individual lives because it's not just about their individual life. They're a part of a family. In other words, if I could put it in my words or how I put it to myself, in the kingdom, we don't get to be selfish. <laughs> And I'm going to go ahead and sign up and I'm going to go ahead and admit that I struggle with this. That I don't always make decisions based on my spiritual family. I'll admit that a lot of times I'm looking out for me and mine. Blake and Vicki were they're our youth pastors. They were over last night. And we all, well, well, I'll do this with couples. I don't know if you do this with your friends, but we kind of sat down and we began to just say, all right, if you could just have whatever you wanted, dream life, whatever, what would it look like? And <clears throat> the very first thing everybody says if they live in Lubbock is like, I don't live here. Get me around some mountains, get me around a beach. First of all, Vicky's from Ireland. So you want to talk about sacrificing for the kingdom, living in Lubbock. Come on, there ain't nobody else doing more than she is in that. But like, there's, we all have dreams, right? You know, I love to snowboard, and so I would love to have a cabin in, in Colorado. And whenever, the, whenever the, the ragweed and the grass pollen hits at, in September, guess where I want to be? Gone. Put me in my little mountain house. I'll be back whenever the first freeze is over. 
And it, we, began to, we began to talk about our dreams and where we would want to be and what we would want our life to look like. And I love, I love doing that. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But raise your hand if you've ever done, have these kind of talks with your spouse or nobody. Okay, well, y'all need to dream a little bit, all right? Let's start there. I need another message. <clears throat> like you have these fun conversations and you think about where you want to go. And every time that I do that, you know what I've noticed about those thoughts and those conversations? is there's just a whole lot of me in it. Let's just be real today. There's a whole lot of me. There's a whole lot of me and my wife and my three kids. And we could have this, this kind of house and these kind of cars. <clears throat> but I'll be honest with you. Over the last four to six years, there's something in the back of my head that, even when I begin to have these conversations, what would you do if you could do anything? All that. I realized that life in the kingdom isn't just about me. And there's always something in the back of my head going, yeah, it'd be great to live in Hawaii and have a church in Hawaii. Yeah, have a, have a house on the golf course in North Carolina. Great, but what has God called you to? And more importantly, who? has he called you to? I'll be honest with you. I can't even dream without thinking about you. It does, the, the reality doesn't exist because I realize that God has put me into a family. And I realize that my decisions don't just affect me, but they actually affect those around me. And I've also realized there's no greater joy, there's no greater place, there's nowhere where else that you'll reach your destiny than amongst the people that God has placed you in. We need to realize that in the kingdom, it's not so much about a place that he's called you, but about a people that he's called you to. About a people and a family that he's placed you in because he made you a holy nation. He made you a chosen people. And you can gripe and complain that it's in Lubbock, but he put you here. And I promise you this, it'd be better to be in the right spiritual family in the middle of the desert than with no family on the top of any mountain and at any other beach. I promise. Because creation doesn't touch you like his created. You see, this... It, in the kingdom, I, it, it, I just, I don't always get to think about myself in the kingdom. And the reason why is not because he doesn't want us to be selfish. It's because of the people around us. So <clears throat> what does this actually look like? You take this revelation, a spiritual family. What does it actually look like in our everyday lives? Well, first of all, great question. I'm glad you asked it this morning. I'd love to answer it crazy I have notes to answer that exact question. <clears throat> what does it actually look like in your life, in our lives? <clears throat> well, let's just take the area of spiritual growth. You see, when you realize that you're a part of a family and you have this revelation and you begin to think this way, what you begin to realize is that your spiritual, spiritual growth isn't just there to benefit you, but it's there to benefit the people around you. 
Some of y'all have asked God, why do you keep putting me in this situation? Why can't I just come into a church and the pastor not find me? Why does someone always come up and be like, you're, you're a leader. You need to be a leader in this church. You want to know why? God made you that way. And you can't hide, baby. I'm going to find you. Because he's gifted you. And, and, and the reason that he wants you to grow spiritually is because of what you can give to the people that you're around. It's because what, when you say yes, your yes is not just for you. It could be for 50 other people. And if you'll engage in, that, in that, that journey that God has you on, maybe it's a freedom, maybe it's a vulnerability, maybe it's a stepping up into leadership when you feel uncomfortable. When you realize that you're a part of a family, I don't, I don't know, like, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure God said love, love him and love people. There should be some more motivation to become who he's asking you to become. I just begin to realize, like, I've, I realize this. This is, this is just the truth. We can only take people as far as we've gone. And you cannot give away something. This used to bug me when I heard the pastor preach this, but it's true. <laughs> you can't give away something that you don't have. The reason he's growing you, the reason he's taking you and wanting you to go to a whole nother level is because he's coming back for a family and he's coming back for a mature one and he's coming back for one that's unified. And it's gonna take people like you saying yes to the growth that he's placed in your life. See, it's bigger. We're a part of something bigger. <clears throat> How does this apply in the area of worship? How does this re re revelation apply when it comes to just being a part of a family? And I want you just to give me a little, uh, some moments here. I'm going to have to throw out a ton of disclaimers as I go into this subject, but just give me a second. <clears throat> you see, when you realize that you're a part of a family, when it comes to a worship setting, actually coming on Sunday and, and engaging in worship, sometimes that means that you go, to the, you, you go to a place in worship that God's taking the congregation, even if you don't want to go there individually. It means that what God wants to do corporately is more important than where you want to go individually and personally. It, it means we've, we've all been, uh, let's, just, let's just have a quick little testimony service. If you've ever been in a, in a moment of worship or in a worship service and something awkward happens and it makes you really uncomfortable, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Everybody, right? Okay. Now, here's my disclaimer <clears throat> before I go into anything I'm about to say. God is free to do whatever God wants to do. And sometimes he completely overtakes your physical body. And you'll do things you, you're, you'll be embarrassed about when you leave. Been there. I'm not saying that that's not God. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. And I'm definitely not saying it's not okay. It's 100% okay in this house. And sometimes in a, in a corporate worship, the Lord just picks you out and you have those moments and encounters with God and they're beautiful and they're so God. In fact, I've even, I've even judged people in the moment that they're having thinking there's no way that was God and it was all God. So all that, let me just say all that is true. However, I've been in some moments in worship where I have felt like, 
you know what, that just, that was off. What that person seemed to be doing seemed to become a distraction, and it just seemed to be going in a whole different flow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, when you realize you're a part of a family, you realize that, oh, you know what, in worship today, it may not be about me. And it may actually be about where God wants to take someone else. And it may be about where God is actually taking us, where he's taking his family, where he's taking us corporately in a moment of worship. You see, sometimes we feel that off feeling, and here's one of the reasons I think that we feel like it's off. And it is. It's because that moment, that person was very individualistic. It was about them personally. And it went in opposition of where God was taking the room. But see, when I, and, and no shame, no condemnation, I've done it. We're all learning here. And I don't want us to get too in our head about worship, but I want to teach us like sometimes God is doing something in the room and it may not be where you want to take the room. Some of y'all are here and worshiper, y'all are worshipers. You're like, man, if more people would just lift their hands and if more people would just jump, if we could just get a little bit more just besides Keith and, and Vicky, if there could be two more jumpers, this place would catch on fire. And I'm being funny, but you think these things. <clears throat> but you realize sometimes that, you know what? Maybe it's not about jumping and shouting this Sunday. It's about a holy reverence and a quiet moment with the Lord. And that may not be your personal preference, but you also realize it's not about you. It's about the body. It's about the family. You know what? When you invite someone new to church and they come into this environment, it just is what it is. This environment's a lot. We are a lot in worship. And we're going to continue to be a lot. It's, it's an expression that God has for us. But if they've never experienced that before, please don't bring them to the front row. I tell our ushers all the time, if you don't recognize them, first three rows are off. Set them somewhere in the back. They're already uncomfortable. They're about to experience 50 minutes of worship. It's about to get way more uncomfortable. But the reason that I say that is not because I'm afraid of what the, the Holy Spirit might do. No, it's because I care about family. And sometimes, you know what, if you bring a friend, you may be super expressive in worship, but because you're thinking about them, maybe you're just not as much that day. I have seen, I have seen people bring their family in, maybe not here, maybe here, other places, and I can tell they're over-expressive just to let their family know this is how I worship. That's not what family does. Family tries to make the new boyfriend and girlfriend as comfortable as they can when they come to Thanksgiving dinner for the first time because they're already on edge. We're just, I'm not saying that you don't have individual moments. I'm, all I'm saying is just remember you're a part of a family. Just know that. Man, we're worshiping today as a family. We're going somewhere as a congregation. God, God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his family. You can't deny this. 
there, you do not get the same experience in individual worship as you do in a congregation, do you? Because there is something about the corporate praise that he seems to inhabit like no other. Boom, there's, that, should, that should be a, a flag, uh, a sign that says, there's something important, there's something on this family thing. Maybe when you realize this, you have this revelation, it actually affects where you decide to go with your career. And I know this is countercultural. I know this is not talked about in church a lot. But, you know, sometimes when you get a promotion and it's going to take you to a different city or a different state, you know what I believe should be one of the factors? should be one of the things that helps you make your decision. There should be something in you that goes, Lord, but what about my spiritual family? Yeah, you know what? I could move to Dallas and make $60,000 more a year. But Lord, I'm growing and I feel healthy in this spiritual family. Like, are you sure that you want me to do that? And if so, would you place me in another good, healthy spiritual family? I've seen people just get plucked out of the family of God and just go to some city because their job gave them a promotion. And like, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, will you consider spiritual family? Like if he's called you to this, this family, it'd be way better to make $60,000 less hear me today, there is nothing more important than your spiritual growth. Nothing. Nothing is more important because you know who you are? You are a spirit. Some of you are like, Pastor, don't you know we have to pay the bills? Yes, and I have to pay the bills. Well, you know, am I saying, you know, Pastor said my most important thing is to just be spiritual, so I'm quitting my job. No, do not quit your job. If you ain't got a job, go get a job. Just go ahead and clear that up. <clears throat> but see, I'm a, I just, I have to realize like, you're a part of a spiritual family called Renew Life Church if you call this place home. This is your family. And you have a part to play. And you have responsibility to carry. And some of you are parents. And some of y'all are just, just a, a passionate, young, zealous, young adult and just keep being that way. But as you be this way, <laughs> sorry, I just had to do that. I just, I felt it. I felt it. <clears throat> connect to someone who's not this way <laughs> and connect to a dad and connect to a mom and connect to an empty nester in the spiritual family and connect to a grandparent. Like you need someone telling you how to spend your money and what girl to date Someone helping you, because we're we're spiritual family. And last but not least, I think when you realize you're a part of spiritual family, it means that you step up and you say yes to things that you don't really want to say yes and you don't want to step up to. It means you may not want to lead, but you lead anyway. You may not want to pray out loud. You may not want to try out for the worship team because you're scared to death. 
You may not want to go to home church. You may not want to say yes to spiritual family because the church has hurt you before. You may not want to get up early and go to that Bible study. I don't mean this in a rude way. I just mean it as the truth. Yeah, but it's not about you. It's not all about you. Because those men may need you to be at that early morning Bible study. Those women may need you at that Bible study. Those people who are following you that you don't even know who are following you need you to say yes to lead. Say yes to be a leader. Say yes to using your gift in the kingdom of God. Say yes to leading worship. Say yes to going to home church. Yeah, but you don't know when, when, I, when I go to home church, all hell breaks loose the next day in my family because my kids stayed up late and the babysitter didn't listen and fed them all kinds of candy and it's just miserable in the morning. We're way behind. Can I just give you an encouraging word? So what? It's worth it. It's worth it because it's the kingdom and your kids will remember mom and dad pursued God. I watched mom and dad pursue God at the expense of our comfortability and everything else. They knew what they were called to and they said, I say yes to the kingdom. No matter if it costs me something, it costs Jesus everything. And he, he's our example. Some of you just need to say, you know what? I, I say yes to leading. And you, you know what you're gonna have to do? God is saying to you today, it's time for you to get over your insecurity. The reason you don't want to say yes is because you're insecure. And I want to preach like I'd preach against sin, not saying that insecurity is a sin. But we have no problem with telling people you can overcome sin, you can overcome guilt and condemnation. You can. And guess what? You can be secure in God. Stop letting insecurity keep you from what you're called to do. It's time for you to beat it. Stop thinking you don't deserve to sit at the table. You do. You deserve a seat. You have a role. You have a part to play. Not because I said it, but because Jesus said it. Not because, I, because the Apostle Paul said, hey, we're a body full of many, many parts. And we ain't all got it. I don't have every part. I don't have every gift. Which means I got to have yours. You just got to say yes. You say, oh, I don't really know if what I'm saying yes to. Who cares? Just say yes. Whatever it is, God, yes. Because I realize today it ain't about just me and what you want to do in me. It's about what you want to do for your family. And God, I care about your family because you do. Philippians 2 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, this is Paul talking to church. If you have any encouragement from being united, becoming a family, any comfort from his love, any common, um, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Here it is right here. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.